Today, we're going to talk about a spy movie that we've been wanting to do an episode on for a while. Very wacky, but racially focused. Some might call it a black exploitation spoof movie. Well, today's episode focuses on the 2002 movie Undercover Brother. <laughs> Dan, I thought this was a really funny movie. It really made me laugh. At a high level, what did you think of Undercover Brother? Actually, literally, I laughed out loud a few times. So, yeah, I thought they did a really great job with the humor, the spoofing elements of the humor, and the acting, which added really another dimension to the humor. So, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, and one reason we wanted to do this episode now is that we had just released our episode talking about the censoring and re-releasing of the Ian Fleming James Bond novels yeah, and how they were going to take out some of the more sensitive words and thoughts that Fleming had. <laughs> and so we thought with that context in mind, it was the perfect time to talk about Undercover Brother. Yeah. Because I think the Ian Fleming censors would have a field day with this movie. They'd have a problem. <laughs> and I'm not sure they could release this movie today, although there was a movie, Undercover Brother 2, that was released in 2019, so 17 years after the first. Yeah. And that one had a similar theme, but the thing they were after was the woke movement. <laughs> and it, the funny thing about that to me is that the woke movement, I think, is behind the Fleming censorship. But Undercover Brother 2 didn't make me laugh much at all. Um, I thought Undercover Brother was a much better movie. All right, so we're going to look at Undercover Brother here. So, yeah, the Fleming folks, I think, would have some issues with this movie. <laughs> you think? Yeah. yeah. Remember, we, sa we said that it's racially done and it's a black exploitation spoof, so it might be offensive to some. It might be, but, you know, the intent was to make it a spoof and to make fun of the whole thing. So, you know, people should get a grip. <laughs> really well uh, yeah think about blazing saddles one of the funniest movies yeah. ever they couldn't make that right now i think they should okay the high level plot of this movie is that an organization called brotherhood complete with periods between each letter spoofing the man from uncle needs to battle the man brotherhood is a secret organization dedicated to truth justice and the afro-american way <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they even have a company set up as a front to hide what they are doing, like the man from Uncle, Kingsman, and so on. They all have a front, right? So, so Dan, does Brotherhood stand for something like Spectre does? I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything either, and they never tell us in the movie. But if so, it would be one heck of a name. <laughs> and I could see why they would just call it Brotherhood. <laughs> just, I don't know. All right, the man wants to undermine black culture and communities. To fight the man, they bring in undercover brother, who is, at least to himself, a hip secret agent. The thing is, he's stuck in the black exploitation image of the 70s. That's where a lot of the comedy in this movie plays out. Brotherhood wants to get a recently retired, highly decorated black general to become the first black president of the united states uh hmm, that sounds a lot like in real life we had a general colin powell who was thinking about that for a while well the man doesn't want this to happen and he comes up with a plot that had to influence kingsman the secret service and there may even be a nod to kingsman the golden circle to undercover brother as well we don't want to spoil these 
Maybe you haven't seen Undercover Brother yet. So just know that Valentine's plot in Kingsman, The Secret Service, seems very familiar. And the fact that they did this movie in 2002 based on and bringing back obvious racial imagery from the 1970s shows us that these producers wanted to leverage all of this imagery and poke fun at it all. I think this was an obvious slam on the James Bond movie, Live and Let Die, right? Yeah, absolutely. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Now, we, we don't want to give how the man attempts to stop the general from getting elected, but in this case, how they do it is extremely cringeworthy and racist, but it works for this comedy. In fact, they even play up on it because the characters, once they find out how it's going to happen, all cringe. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it is definitely a racial stereotype that ha that's behind this. Uh, I don't think we need to go into, you'll get it when you see it. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's fun. It's, it's fun the way one. they do it. I, I think, yeah. and, and they all, they're all buying into this in the movie. And, you know, we're looking well, at Well, and I like the fact that they cringed when they heard what it was. Yeah, yeah, right. All right, the movie then moves into the Brotherhood hiring undercover brother and how he and the team tried to stop the man. <laughs> All okay, right. so so that's the high-level plot. I, I don't really think the Fleming censors would know where to even start with this thing. <laughs> and I do want to point out that since there's so much racial spoofing going on here, that the director is Malcolm Lee, who was black. Yeah. One of the writers is John Ridley, who's black. And the other writer is Michael McCullers, who's white. Yeah. So they spoof both black people and white people yeah. going against their stereotypes. Definitely. And I really think it works here. Yeah, definitely. They're spoofing blacks and whites. And I think the Fleming censors would probably bleep out about every third word. <laughs> Just like, I, like they wouldn't be able to handle this. I mean, come on, give people credit for having enough intellect and sense to understand the framing of all of this. And anyway, this movie, Undercover Brother, smacks the Fleming people and all other censors right in the face because they intended it to be racist and for it to be a spoof, making fun of all the sensitivity around all of this stuff. So there. <laughs> anyway, I like the opening scene when they're setting everything up for us to fi figure out what's going to happen. They start it with James Brown and show aspects of African Americans in the 1970s in America. These are real clips. They showed Martin Luther King Jr. and then talked about how things changed in the 70s. All of this is handled with a voiceover telling us what's going on. Throughout the movie, we are shown Jesse Jackson, Pam Greer, Jim Kelly, Richard Roundtree, and others. Yeah, it kind of gave us almost like a documentary feel at the beginning. Yeah, it, it almost felt like that. And I think, is this going to be funny? <laughs> yes, is the answer. Then they mock what happened after the 70s, showing Urkel and Mr. T pointing out that things were starting to go bad for how African Americans were portrayed. Then, as the millennium drew to a close, disaster struck, and they showed Dennis Rodman in a wedding dress. <laughs> All right. If you know who Dennis Rodman is, he was a tough black NBA basketball player who took no crap from anybody on the court. He would play for Detroit and Chicago and so on. The guy was he, tough. Here he was also him. very eccentric. Yeah, in lots of ways. From, <laughs> from his appearance to his dressing and everything else. But he was a character. All right. all right, so the voiceover guy is telling us, hey, this is all the, the work of the character called The Man. 
Uh, all right. All okay. Right. We want to so, see the man. <laughs> you never really see his face. All right. Oh, that uh, sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly. Blofeld. Um, but although he does, he does actually see, you do see his face in Undercover Brother too. But yeah, don't okay. watch that one. All right, and so we the see char- Blofeld eventually too. So there you go. Yeah. So so the character Undercover Brother is played by Eddie Griffin, who's hilarious. He is. And he tries to bring the African-American lifestyle back to the 70s. That was how he wanted to live. He's driving a Cadillac Coupe de Ville convertible. It looks like a 1970 model to me. The thing is blaring George Clinton's Parliament's 1979 hint, give up the funk, tear the roof off the sucker. I mean, he's got this huge afro. He's holding the Big Gulp Cup, which debuted in the 1970s at the 7-Eleven convenience store chain in the u.s yeah it was a real drink 32 ounces (laughs) yeah by the way that was actually the work of coca-cola corporation yeah we got those things going so anyways this fits what they're going for now he has this orange soda in this big gulp cup yeah and he spins the car around he doesn't spill a drop of this soda yeah and there's there's something in undercover brother two about orange soda as well and so it made me look, and I, I couldn't find a demographic breakdown of orange soda sales in the 70s. Yeah. So I don't know if orange soda in the 70s was consumed more by African Americans and other races. I'm not sure what it was, but the fact that it was in both movies makes me think there was something going on there, or at least whatever city they were portraying this in. Yeah. At the very end of him spinning the car around, though, there is some soda on the windshield on the inside. You see that. He kind of looks up going, oh, man. No, no, that was a bird shit on his window. Was it? Yeah, because he says, a bird shit on my window. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> All <laughs> yes. Right. All right. <laughs> it's soft, but it's there. All right. And there is a reference later in this movie about orange soda as the Q equivalent added some features to his Cadillac. <laughs> That's all we're going to say there. And... I like the double eight balls. Wait, wait, wait. Features to the Cadillac, kind of like what they did to the Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah. Well, their Q equivalent added a few modifications to the Cadillac. And (laughs) cool. You'll see them in the movie. Good stuff. Yeah. And I like the double eight balls hanging from the mirror. Now, that's that's pretty funny because they probably came out for real in the 1960s, but they were popular for a long time. Hanging fuzzy dice, hanging double eight balls from your mirror and so on. So again, it's authentic in the movie that this would be there. And there are lots of meanings of, of or symbolisms really to the words eight ball. And some have Damn, to do really? with drugs. Like what? <laughs> yeah. So, some have to do with drugs. Like it's an eighth of an ounce of cocaine or some other drug. And some meanings have it have to do with risk or chance and more. And of course, two black balls. Okay. That's all I'm going to say there. Now, Uh, all right so i'm gonna shift gears on this a little bit so oh i get it driving and shifting gears that's good yeah that was good yeah so while he's driving they actually show him passing people now remember he's got this definite look of the 70s but he's driving past people who were there uh, from that look like they're from the early 2000s um for instance one young woman is shown taking a picture with what looked to be either a Polaroid Spectra or a Spectra Pro. I wasn't exactly sure, but that was discontinued in 1998. So remember, Undercover Brother is a throwback. He's trying to live in the 70s, even though the world he's physically in is the early 2000s. And you even see some things like at the end of this movie, 
you see him in these modified parachute pants. Yeah, those are cool. Uh, again, messing a bit with the time frame of the movie. The soundtrack here is fantastic with James Brown, George Clinton, Gil Scott Heron, Cool and the Gang, Michael Jackson, the average white band, the OJs, Wild Cherry, the Commodores, and more. The music enhances the 70s feel for Undercover Brother, the character, and it's just damn good music. Yeah, it is a great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. The title sequence has Pick Up the Pieces, a 1974 song by the average white band from their second album, AWB, who played music that sounded like black music to make money. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they're called the average white band. The graphics has a very kind of Dr. No feel to it, didn't you think, in the beginning? With all the geometric symbols, yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. This had th- this had that feel. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, def- definitely felt like they were kind of borrowing that theme. Yeah, borrowing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We must influenced make- by. <laughs> yeah. We have to make sure we tell you that this movie pokes fun at stereotypes again of black and white people, not just black people, not just white people. I think that what makes this movie work is that it skewers the stereotypes of both of these races, and everyone gets skewered. So, hey, no holds barred. Yeah, now, black and white people. At the end of the movie, they even comment in the movie that they didn't have anything in it about Asians or Latin Americans or anything like that. It was just black people versus white people. And to me, skewering both black and white people uses the premise that the comedians Don Rickles and Lisa Lampanelli used. Right. Yeah. They skewer okay. everybody. Yeah. Right. But really they're skewering the stereotypes, not the individual. Right. And they also poke fun at themselves while they do this. And th- this movie seems to take this approach, which is why to me it works. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. That's a good point because they do make fun of themselves as well. So to give you an idea of what we're talking about here, the names of the characters let you know, what you're in for a little bit anyway. Eddie Griffin plays the lead character, like Tom said, named Undercover Brother. Chris Catan plays Mr. Feather. I like that. I like that name. He carries around a little white feather. Denise Richards plays White She-Devil. Anjanu Ellis is Sister Girl. It's Sister Girl. Don't say Sister. Dave Chappelle is Conspiracy Brother. Shy McBride is the Chief. Neil Patrick Harris plays Lance, does a good job. <laughs> Gary Anthony Williams plays Smart Brother. And Billy D. Williams, who I always love, uh, he, he's just great and everything, he plays General Boutwell. All right, I think they are letting us in on the joke with some of these names. Yeah, one of the things about these, these actors and their names, Gary Anthony Williams plays that character Smart Brother, like you said. And yeah. when you when I first saw it, I thought it was a young Kenan Thompson from Saturday Night Live. Okay. He, to me, he looked a lot like him. He's since lost a ton of weight, but it wasn't him. I looked it up and yeah. I'm like, oh, that, I thought that was Kenan Thompson playing that role, but it's not. So, yeah. All right, getting back to your thoughts, Tom, on the Ian Fleming rewrites and this movie, here are a few of the lines that I think the Ian Fleming's censors would feel maybe would need a little rewriting. And again, this is a spoof. We're going to give you the lines. Don't be offended. It's a spoof. (laughs) They intended for this to be ridiculously funny and be a spoof. All right. There's a line given by a white person called the man, as we mentioned, who says, I want the white house to stay white. (laughs) 
All right. And Dave Chappelle's character, Conspiracy Brother, he was terrific, by the way. He was. He's good in everything he does. It's <laughs> really good. He has the line, what kind of self-respecting black man would run as a Republican? What has the Republican Party done for black people? Smart Brother replies with some lines about how the Republican Party was the party of Lincoln, freed the slaves, and so on. Emancipation <laughs> Proclamation. It was brilliantly delivered. All right. In the control room where the Brotherhood has infiltrated at the man's headquarters, White She-Devil turns on the man's people and says, Once you've had undercover brother, there is no other. <laughs> <laughs> And, and conspiracy brother kind of looks at her and goes, man, you know, something like, it's supposed to be once you've had black, you never go back. <laughs> okay. Okay, and keep, keep it in this vein and just let's just keep it going. There's a line where the chief says, it's a great day for black people of all races. That's a great line. That was a great line. <laughs> great day for black people of all races. That's perfect. That's just perfect. That sums right, up course, the whole movie, really, right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, of course, Dave Chappelle's character uses that word that black people sometimes use, but white people can't, so yeah. I won't use it here. He uses it a couple times in there. Yep. There's even this scene where they've got the security thing that you need to pass by to get through a room. An undercover brother has to do some convoluted handshake with this thing. It's a good And scene. a sign pops up and says, blackness confirmed, you got soul. <laughs> uh, that was a good yeah. scene. <laughs> and then there's a re uh, this is another one where it's my naivete, I think, like with the orange soda. There's a recurring joke about how black people don't eat mayonnaise, but white people do. Yeah, yeah, we'll see later, too, that there's a whole chicken thing going on here as a recurring joke. And who likes chicken and who doesn't, but. So, <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'd sum up this part of the discussion as Undercover Brother is a, one of those movies where you have to say, I know I shouldn't be laughing, I shouldn't be watching this and laughing, but I just can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's, again, it's skewering everything, no, which is I, what makes yeah. it work and doesn't offend in my mind. Yeah, I, yeah I, it doesn't offend. I think we should laugh and feel good about laughing with this movie because you ought to know better to laugh and be able to laugh at this movie. Anyway, these types of comments just heighten the racist aspect of the characters, and it does it by poking fun at the stupidity of such comments. There's even a long segment showing white stereotypes and things that supposedly white people like that black people don't. It's... It's a hilarious scene, really. It is. It is. <laughs> it's just damn funny. It's clever. Yeah. Yes, you could call it racist, but you need the context. I think it works here. And it, it is a scene, this one, it's a great one, that you couldn't rewrite or censor without ruining it. Period. Done. Again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one has to do with Denise Richards, who, who played, of course, Christmas Jones in The World Is Not Enough. She has a role that they call Black Man's Kryptonite. <laughs> That's just perfect right there, right? Her, her role is one major stereotype, and Denise Richards plays it up and hits it out of the park. It's a funny, funny role, and she is perfect at it. Yeah, I, I really like that. It, it, her part in this thing is great. Yeah. Another one is Neil Patrick Harris's role. Yeah. Now, he's playing this stereotypical straight white guy who wants to fit in with the black community 
talk about how the the show Roots changed his life. And he works at the Brotherhood as an affirmative action hire. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is funny. If you're out of the U.S., you might not be all that familiar with that, <laughs> that affirmative action program. But <laughs> we have He's it. one of them. <laughs> all right. So he takes the brunt of the white guy stereotypes in, in this movie. And there's a scene where somebody calls him a sissy. And he gets all upset. But it turns out he, he, he shows that how tough he could be. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he definitely turns the tables. Yeah, those are funny scenes, too. So you're going to love when Lance goes berserk and <laughs> <laughs> does what he does. <laughs> yep. All right, Undercover Brothers chock full of callbacks and teasings of many, many movies, especially the spy and black exploitation genre. Think of it as kind of a black view of Austin Powers, and he'll kind of get the idea. For, for instance, there's there are a couple of James Bond movie callbacks in Undercover Brother, for sure. Undercover Brother is in the Brotherhood building and fights off a ton of guys and runs up and parachutes off the building to get away. A clear reference to James Bond movies like The Spy Who Loved Me, a view to a kill, the Eiffel Tower, and so on. So, yeah, they use some of the tropes from some of the Bond movies. Now we literally see him jump in bed with two women. <laughs> I love that. It's it's a quick five-second scene, really. But it's another spoof of the James Bond series, really, only upping it with two women at the same time that he's jumping in bed with. <laughs> well, and when the, when the end credits roll, watch through them. There's two end credit scenes, and one of them plays off of what you just talked about with him jumping in bed with two women. I don't know if you watched that part, but it was, it was, it was to me, it made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So there's also a scene in something called the Roscoe's Barbershop. And as the chair drops, undercover brother is screaming. And yeah, it really had only good. dropped a few feet, but it was pretty funny. Well, they, and, they make it look like it's dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And then, yeah, in reality. Yeah, the reality was it wasn't very far. No. And this kind of was a throwback to me of uh, how when James Bond arrives in Tanaka's headquarters and you only live oh, yeah. twice, yeah. where he shoots down that slide into a waiting chair. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Kind of had that feel like that. Um, there's some stuff in Kingsman that have a similar type of thing. And the barbershop is interesting to me in terms of the timing of this. This movie came out in 2002, as did the comedy Barbershop. Okay. And so I thought it was interesting that they were using the barbershop here and they, and I don't know the timing release schedule of them. It was different casts between the two, but it, but again, barbershop was mainly based around, you know, black people growing up and conversing around the, bar, you know, that was their coffee shop, if you will, was the barbershop. Yeah. 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 And at one point, some slime looking stuff shoots out of the back of the undercover brothers Cadillac Coupe de Ville which had to be a callback to the pre-title sequence in Thunderball. <laughs> Come on. You think? <laughs> Shooting the water out when the guys are standing in the water stream instead of dodging it. Uh, we talk about that in our pre-title sequence uh, podcast episode on Thunderball. Check that one out, too. It's funny. All right. To fit into the corporate world, undercover brother loses the afro and dresses more conservatively, turning into Anton Jackson. Kind of a play on the black exploitation character, Action Jackson. Well, at least a name, not an action. <laughs> yeah. yeah. From conservative Anton Jackson, he, like Superman, switches into undercover brother and is out, 
on a ledge when a pigeon or a bird surprises him. Shock! Boom! Oh, wow. It almost falls, of course. <laughs> We've seen that trope, right, in a ton of Bond movies. For your eyes only at Meteora, the monkey in the living daylights that surprises Bond on Gibraltar, the bird in Mission Impossible 3. Yeah, it goes on. So they worked a lot of stuff into this movie. <laughs> uh, another example is the character of Mr. Feather, played by Chris Catan. He carries a white feather wherever he goes. Is that a nod to Blofeld's white cat? I don't know. It probably shouldn't be, as Mr. Feather isn't the boss. The man is. At one point, the man says, and there won't be a problem, will there? Um, no, sir, says Mr. Feather. Very similar to Kronstein and Kleb standing in front of Blofeld in From Russia with Love. So a lot of Absol these little subtle stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's it. It's, uh, there aren't that many big hit you in the face were spoofing, no. but there's all this little su subtle stuff. Yeah. Now, there is a scene that I laugh out loud every time I see it, and there's a fight between Sister Girl and Denise Richards' character, White She-Devil. And it ends up with them in the shower. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> they're, they're fully clothed. But yeah. to me, it's hilarious. This is one of those places I literally laugh out loud at when I watch this. And if you, yeah, <laughs> and it's not good. just the fight itself. It's other people's reactions to the fight. Yeah, the guy's you know, reactions to the fight is super. <laughs> yes. So if you think of the gypsy fight scene in From Russia with Love, I believe it had to influence this scene. But then they took it to an extreme. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, good one. A good extreme. Oh, uh, yeah. And, of course, there's gadgets in the movie. Every spy movie's got to have gadgets, right, Tom? Absolutely. <laughs> everything, Absolutely. From, everything from Sister Girl's lipstick tube being a radio transmitter to a golf ball camera, a digging spade that's a control device, a hair trimmer that controls a trap door, and watches and gloves that are communication devices as well. All fun stuff, but you got to throw some gadgets in there, some ridiculous gadgets as well. So Yeah, and one, one of these ridiculous gadgets were yeah. Undercover Brothers platform shoes. Oh, yeah. They, he's holding Sister Girl, and his platform shoes... Which were big in the up. 70s, which were big in the 70s. They were big in the 70s, but they kind of keep going up like a lateral or like an elevator almost so they can rise up and get away from people. Yeah. So instead of using the P-Time belt thing that we saw James Bond do in GoldenEye, here Undercover Brother uses his telescoping shoes to do the same thing. Yeah. Elevate me, get me out of the situation. Yeah, yeah. And the way they did it almost had an Inspector Gadget feel to me. Yeah. Right. And of course, there's a luxury watch that has a gadget built in, right? And in this case, it's a Breitling. Now, I happen to have the same model Breitling as in this movie, but mine doesn't do what that one does. It would be kind of interesting if it did. Yeah. What the watch does is really, again... Racist. Bringing back your mayonnaise talk a little earlier, though. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely raises, and it does this thing, and you go, okay, that's good. <laughs> I like it. That's good. All right. And it's not just James Bond. Remember, earlier we told you that Brotherhood is a secret organization dedicated to truth, justice, and the Afro-American way. Well, obviously, this is a play on the Superman truth, justice, and the American way slogan. And there's a glass-cutting scene that ends up being extremely funny we've seen glass cutting scenes in lots of spy movies and this one you haven't seen before 
is a bit reminiscent of the Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible uh, scene where you, you see some of this. But this one is different and funny. <laughs> yeah, Dan, I think we should point out that Undercover Brother has a PG-13 rating in the U.S. for language, sexual humor, drug content, and campy violence. And I think that pretty much sums up the movie. I was surprised it didn't have an R rating, especially since Dave Chappelle slips in a few words in there that are no-nos. Although this was 2002, so you probably could get away with it a little better then. Yeah. So for us, that sums up this movie. It's the spoof movie. We think it's pretty funny. You've got to understand it in context. Yeah. So after you listen to this episode and watch the movie, let us know what you think. If they're going to rewrite Fleming's works, should they rewrite this movie's script? <laughs> no. <laughs> or since it's satire, should it be fine? It's fine. Absolutely fine. Let us know what you think, too. All right. So if you're out of the U.S. and you've seen black exploitation movies, you've seen Live and Let Die, you're going to understand some of the stuff that's going on in this movie. Should you see it? I say yeah. Tom? Oh, I, <laughs> it cracks me up in any movie that can do that. I like. Yeah. Anyway, it's less than an hour and a half, I think. So, it is. Yeah. See this movie. All right. That's a wrap. This has been Dan. And Tom. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Please subscribe to our show through your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review in your app, too. That helps keep this show going. We thank you for listening because we really appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks. <laughs>